Whether it's dismantling the fossil fuel industry, creating a solar-powered utopia, or simply desiring to hear more birds in the sky than planes, this is Idealistically, a podcast where we discuss what we would idealistically want in an ideal world. everyone welcome back i'm gonna be honest it's an interesting task introducing these episodes because i like to do a bit of a check-in i like to see how things are and you know i'll be prepping getting ready to edit and i'll be feeling great because i'll have taken action recently for example i took part in a free shop in my local community and that was really positive and uplifting i was recently part of a direct action aimed at h&m which had a local win and was really just the response to it was mind-blowing but then the climate crisis does its thing you know it has a lot of perseverance and I feel like I'm back to square one I feel like I'm struggling to see a good future I'm frustrated I'm angry and it's a real roller coaster of ups and downs so I'm there with you if you're feeling the same this episode though is Probably one of my favourites in terms of the creativity and imagination that came out of it. And it's my first guest that isn't necessarily directly in organising or the climate space or isn't a climate scientist. So perhaps you'll discover someone new and it will bring a really interesting perspective to the conversation. So for the next 40 minutes or so, let's step into this vision of the world, a world that could be better, a world that isn't necessarily even, you know, that impossible to create, you know, it's not that far out of reach if we really want it. Thank you for joining me. I'm very excited. Like you just, I was thinking of who to bring on. I was like, you know who would be fun? Lena. Lena would be fun. <laughs> I'm always gobby. I always have something to say. I don't know if it's ever useful, but I can just talk on call, on 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 call. So it's fine. <laughs> Perfect. And um, I like everyone on my podcast to introduce themselves. So feel free to explain who you are, what you do, all that jazz. So this is something I've been practicing because I've actually changed my job during lockdown and I haven't had to go to any of those awkward parties where people are like, so what do you do? Um, so I'd probably say, hi, I'm Lena. Um, I uh, live in the Midlands. Uh, I recently was one of the people who moved out of London. Um, I am a video producer and I have my own YouTube channel where I talk about being shrewd and spirited. I think that's how I'm phrasing it now. Um, and I, I have a series on my channel called Positive Panic. So I do talk a bit about the climate, uh, but I talk generally about social issues and how that interacts with, with my life. And I also just do a lot of silly things, but with an awareness of capitalism in the background, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I do YouTube and then I also do a bit of podcasting and I'm also a freelance person in the publishing world. Amazing. I feel like every guest that comes on, like it's not just I do one thing, it's like I do 700 things um, because <laughs> capitalism has broken us all and we have to yeah. do everything. <laughs> the, the multi-hyphenate by, by um, yeah, necessity. Exactly. Um, and yeah, we will, we'll get back to that positive panic uh, that you mentioned. But 
I've actually been forgetting to ask most people this question because I sort of just assume the answer will be the same for everyone. Do you currently find it easy or difficult to envision an ideal world? Do you know what? I I do find it difficult to envision the steps towards it. But I don't find it difficult to picture the people that I already know operating well in those worlds do you know what I mean like it's not like I only know horrific people that don't like to share and (laughs) and that and ever you know it's not that I can't imagine that world being here it's just that it's all of the all of the different complicated steps to getting there feels a little undoable and mainly that's because I'm not an expert in anything so I'm assuming lots of experts can picture those very specific steps that would take us into that um but I also think I can picture that kind of world happening because um the world has changed so much since since I've been born it's changed a lot since like my grandparents were born and I don't see why it can't change again do you know what I mean there's like a kind of when we think about oh things never change we're thinking about the last three years and the next three years and it's not really a very good um kind of sample size for like our judgment on what happens with humanity because even 100 years is a pretty rubbish gauge on whether things change or not yeah that's a good point I think we need to reflect on that more like how like it feels like a long time but actually it's very quickly like the fact that we have like electric cars now and like people are going trying to go to Mars like that's all very new really um And that's actually interesting because I find I'm bad with like thinking about the steps in the middle as well because yeah I get really confused by it and I almost have to block it out it's like especially with climate stuff and like the speed that we need it I'm like we need it now like we need it yesterday and so when people are like saying right we'll do this by 2025 we'll do this by 2030 I'm like no don't want to hear it don't want to hear it I want this tomorrow please yeah I think it's always hard because it's like yeah ideally it would be now everything would change right now and I think it's good when you're talking about urgency to talk like that but then also I guess like if you found somebody that was in a really bad mental space and you and you were just like you need to be better now (laughs) it wouldn't work you know what I mean because we're trying to heal people as well and heal societies so I think being like it has to change yesterday is can be I don't know it's kind of a weird one when we when we think about how what our policies are like they need to change now but then changing people it just takes a lot longer so it's harder to I don't know it's a weird one yeah yeah a whole other (laughs) ballgame So what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of this ideal version of the world? Um, The first thing that comes into my mind is probably um, a different structure of time. And I don't mean like delving into the space-time continuum and being like, hours, get rid of them, minutes, (laughs) I'm done. Um, But more in like how everybody spends their time and how much time people have. Because I think that that's a really big barrier to, to change. It isn't just like oh, we need more money for this or we need more people to know about this. It's like all of those things can happen if, we, if we're given more time. And if, you know, certain people have too much time and other people don't have any. <laughs> so I think maybe it's kind of like that thing of like how we value time, how we, if, if we even sell time anymore, I think maybe we'll just stop selling our time in the same way. Um, so, so I guess, is that too general an answer? But I guess it's more like how we, how we interact with time and how days look and how weeks look and stuff yeah that's a good one I think like I've mentioned this in in other episodes like the idea of like doing nothing can 
you know, I, I often have a lot of time and I'm very privileged in that sense. But like even that comes with guilt because we are in this world where it's like we must be filling it all or like there are people who have no time. So don't you dare be sat around like in luxurious amounts of time. Like, yeah, it's it's a good point. Yeah, I guess it's like I guess when I say time, I mean also like capacity. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Because I think that some people can have a lot of time and then not a lot of, you know, energy or resources to do stuff with that time. So I guess it's like... Yeah. Oh, gosh. T- again, language fails us. I'm like, time. What an awkward <laughs> word. We need more. That's so true, though. <laughs> like, capacity and time, like, they have to go hand in hand. Because, like like I say, like, I might have time, but also it's a global pandemic right now. There's the climate crisis. <laughs> that is why I have on my uh, autoresponder on my email, which I set during, like one of the lockdowns last year and it says like I can't handle my emails there's a climate crisis there's all this stuff so please be patient with me and I haven't turned it off <laughs> yeah you've just been like we'll leave that one it's still going <laughs> still applicable. So, yeah exactly like <laughs> and what what would you keep from the current world for your ideal version so things that I keep again like it's one of those things that's like when when it's like oh can you picture an ideal world I'm like well in some ways it would be a miss for me not to recognize that I kind of live in an ideal world in some ways in myself like I have access to the NHS I would like to keep that that Mm -hmm. sounds great (laughs) um uh other other things that I think I'd keep is just like uh how accessible books are at the moment i mean libraries are closing i'd like them to be more accessible but the, the even the fact that we have libraries and we can get stuff for free um is amazing i'd keep do you know what i'd keep the internet yeah i said it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it can stay um i think that we all probably need a bit more like reflection on how we use it and there needs to be like more better management around it and and um nicer people running it <laughs> but the actual uh internet in general i think is an incredible thing and i think when uh i see all these documents you see what's the one on netflix that i really hated it was uh, i can't remember what it was called but it was all about how dangerous social media is which and it was done in such an awful way <laughs> and i was like it was just i just can't there's no other word but awful and it was so disheartening because you know i think it it's hard for people to envision a world without social media now but actually i think for a lot of people social media saved their life and there's a, there's a life without social media or at least a life without the internet and being able to find forums and connect with people is nightmarish to me now to not be able to connect with people who don't agree with the government or agree with you know um different kind of things that aren't in the mainstream media uh like it's such an integral part of society and we won't be able to change things without it so i think when i see people like going offline and I'm like yeah that's cool this personal decision do that but don't encourage everyone to do that because that would be the worst thing <laughs> you know that's what I think anyway also it's like it's an organizing tool like we wouldn't be able to create the movements in this period of time to to get to an ideal version of the world if we didn't have ways to connect like I just just gone through a year of doing zoom meetings for my uh climate group and I'm just like no more zoom but also if we hadn't have had that we, I don't know what we would have done and it's also this using it as an initial platform isn't it to meet people like we wouldn't have met without that without um Instagram and I think this, it doesn't always have to be online interactions the whole way along it's like a way to connect with people in person but it's a tool to do that as well because I don't know I don't think I'd have found people in my area who cared about climate stuff or people 
in general <laughs> uh a lot of my friends have been made on on the i've made them on the internet but they've become real world friends and i think that's really amazing and important to find your people because i didn't really feel like i'd found my people um where i where i was born so it was it was cool yeah, love that. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to my best friend because we met on Tumblr five years ago. And oh my God. We live You've been on... using Tumblr five years ago? I know. So it, it survived longer than I thought. It was for like uh, TV fandom and yeah, we live, well, she lives in America. So it's like, I wouldn't have found her without social media. Oh, so I love that's that. That's so nice. I know. I think it's so lovely. I've, I have a friend called Ariel and we, because we're both freelancers and we don't have like a team of people, we um, have a meeting every two weeks where we spend like hours on Google Meets, like taking each other seriously <laughs> and like talking about business stuff and being like, ah, yes, how is your business going? And I'm like, oh, yes, it's going good. And we, you know, talk about the kind of stuff that you'd talk about with a boss or like, you know, kind of summary of what we're doing and what we're struggling with and that's the kind of thing she lives in Canada and it's like I would not have done that otherwise if it wasn't for uh the internet and she's like a perfect fit for my we have we do very similar things online so it's a real perfect fit and I wouldn't have been able to find somebody geographically like that so it's nice yeah yeah wholesome wholesome and I also love the fact that you mentioned libraries because I think just the concept of a library really is amazing like you just go in there you don't have to spend any money to you like you can just go and sit somewhere. It's like one of the rare places. I suppose like some galleries as well, but libraries, amazing. Such a yeah. simple, um, perfect concept. <laughs> and there could be more spaces like that. I think in my ideal world, there'd be more spaces where you're allowed to just be in public and not spend yeah. money. <laughs> like oh what a weird thing that we're not allowed to do. Um, uh. Especially in Britain, I'm like, I feel like if Britain had hotter weather, which it might for the wrong reasons soon, <laughs> um, then we'd be able to use parks more in the, like outdoor spaces. But in Britain for like eight or nine months of the year, I'd say they're unusable <laughs> yeah. as places to stay statically. Um, so yeah, I, um, I've i talked a lot with like, because um, I've moved back to the Midlands, a lot of my friends still live in Coventry where I'm from and they always talk about how empty the town centre is, like all the all the shops are shut and they've got broken um, windows and stuff. And it's like, what could we fill that with? Like what would, that's obviously going to be a space. No one would want to live in the town centre of Coventry. So what what is it? What, does, what could it be? And we were talking about it being spaces that people could hang out and, you know, welcoming creative spaces instead of shops. Yeah. There's a um, a project in the work in my town in Cheltenham called uh, Planet Cheltenham. Shout out to everyone who's working on that, which is like this idea of like having almost like hopefully like a physical space which is centered around like climate and social justice. And there'll be like a community fridge and there'll be like workshops and stuff. I'm like, there are so many empty shops on our high street now. It's like, we could just, just give it to us, you know, we'll yeah <laughs> and it's it's weird that people who don't even live in the city are like are allowed to own those spaces that are right in the center of it i'm kind of like what's your claim to those spaces apart from the fact that you own you have at one point owned them for whatever reason um because they're just they kind of like have a value that you can't really put money on because geographically they're in the heart of a city or a heart of a town and i think um reclaiming those is really cool i'm just thinking of all the things now off of what you've said and like how even in the uk like our towns just aren't built like because we don't spend a lot of time outside during a lot of the year like our towns just aren't built for it like especially with covid and having to you know bring more seating outside 
it's just like we're taking up pavement space and there's there's one place that I sometimes go for a nice vegan cooked breakfast but it's right next to a bus stop and I was like I don't want to be inhaling fumes yeah. like <laughs> yeah that's, the, that's again I think like COVID shed, shed a, a light on how few outdoor spaces we have that aren't polluted and that, do you know what I mean like because yeah you're right a lot of the cafes just put stuff out on the street and it's like geez but um I'd I'd like to see that as well, like people like the centre of towns, like the streets being more shut, or at least obviously kept accessible for people who need them. But we don't need like just general traffic, general taxis going through the city centres. It's just not it's not necessary, and unless it's for some people who do need it. And it's not like it's not being done in plenty of other places. Like I spent quite a lot of time in like Italy and France and. They're just like it's all open. You can have a restaurant all out on your streets and you got nice squares and you can wander through and it's all lovely and like just proving the point. So uh yeah, great. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> and I think um there's a I was just looking up the uh there's a guy I interviewed a few years ago called um Eric Kleinenberg and he wrote um a book called Palaces for the People. Uh and I've just the the um subtitle is How Social Infrastructure Can Help Fight Inequality, Polarization and the Decline of Civic Life. And it's basically he has different chapters on like public swimming pools, libraries, like council council house town hall things. Like you know, so anyway, if anybody's interested, it's a really good book on it, but definitely changed my kind of thoughts on it yeah we love a book recommendation on this podcast because i (laughs) I know i'm sorry i only speak in book recommendations it's my love language (laughs) no i love it and we will get on to more books As I said, I wanted to mention positive panic um, because that is actually one of the first ways that I found you. I think like other YouTubers were sharing it and I was like very curious. And in all honesty, I was like very skeptical um, because I hadn't really seen that many YouTubers, quote unquote, don't know if you even like being called that. Uh, I mean, I upload to YouTube. I deserve it. I'm back for it. It's on on YouTube. um like I'd never really seen that many people talking about climate in a way that wasn't like I'm working with H&M and we're going to talk about their conscious collection or something like that so I was like what what how's this gonna go Hmm." um but I came away being like oh this is like really genuine and cool so could you explain what I'm talking about what is positive panic yeah so positive panic is a series I do on my channel that I I'm going to add more to but I, I basically did about seven episodes and then I, because of the pandemic, I was like, I'm just going to go over here and uh, <laughs> massage my brain and my heart for a second. <laughs> so I'm going to come back and add to it. But basically it was, um, it's a series uh, where I talk about misconceptions about um, like planetary collapse, uh, but in a way that I hope isn't too panic inducing because I think the problem is like uh, one with anything else in our lives we're like okay here's 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 a problem that I'm worrying about and the answer is usually stop worrying about that or go to therapy about that or like maybe you just need to work through what you're worrying about internally and this isn't a thing that a therapist can solve do you know what I mean I'm like I'm very like totally go to therapy to help you deal with the reality but it's not an imagined problem and it's not the result of past trauma and it's not a personal issue it's we can't deal with it in the same way that we can anything else so I think like when I call it positive panic I'm kind of like we do need to continue to panic (laughs) unfortunately like we don't calming down isn't an option it's making calming down like realistic and and proportioned and and like and integrating a slight 
tin i maybe panic is the wrong word but it rhymes it's, it's onomatopoeic not onomatopoeic what's the thing alliteration and it's alliteration with positive so we have to keep it unfortunately because that's the way the world is but you know maybe panic isn't quite the right word but we have to keep that sense of urgency and like taking it really seriously and we can't just forget about it so I guess it's kind of like what do we do with that panic how do we spend it um so I talk about like uh how we uh, perceive activists and like how activists are seen as separate from the rest of us um like all the misconceptions that aren't that aren't like misconceptions that are scientific it's not like i'm throwing numbers around and being like well actually you think the world is only warming by 0.2 but at such point zero you know it's not that it's more about like do we do you subconsciously think that the adults are handling it because they're not (laughs) do you subconsciously think that it's not your problem because it is do you subconsciously think that it's going to be boring because it's actually not sometimes it is but it's not yeah <laughs> um, and and you know all of those things that's more they're more like the kind of social problems around uh planet panic <laughs> um so so yeah and i i think um i don't know i think we go, we're going if everybody's going to act and if things really are going to change we're going to need lots of material in lots of different tones of voice and it, with lots of different senses of humor uh, or no humor or in phrased in like a million different ways so that everybody finds something that they connect with and that explains it for them so i think like i was kind of making a series that explained it for me <laughs> which doesn't always involve numbers love to read some numbers and i think like reading the numbers is really helpful but it's it's more the kind of like mental barriers that i have against acting so it's yeah i think it's basically the kind of thing that i would want to watch and i know that's not for everyone but i really think that people should make what they want to watch because there's probably at least a couple of thousand people in the world who need to hear it the way you would say it do you know what i mean also listen you know listen to a podcast the way and make the podcast (laughs) you want to listen exactly yeah, and I think that is, like, a really good point. Like, you can also be both and you can swap and change. Like, I know, for example, go on my Instagram and I'm like, oh, look at a squirrel, lovely. Oh, we're going to have some nice times in the park, in the sunshine. Joy is a sustainable resource, all this. Doing a podcast, which is about imagining a new world. And then in the middle of it, you'll just have me, like, flipping off BP. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. you can you can be all of it at once. Like, there's no one way to approach these sorts of topics i think yeah that's that's one reason i love that series and everyone should go uh take a watch (laughs) thank you yeah i was wondering like if you've had any interesting conversations come out of the series like what has kind of been the general response from people yeah i think um i think a lot a lot of people that have contacted me have been people who it's not that they haven't heard about the climate crisis do you know what i mean it's like it's not that they're people who are all or that and they're not climate skeptics which i wasn't making a video for them and i think they'd probably need another <laughs> different kind of video but the people who kind of know know it was happening but felt very um frozen about it very like kind of rabbit in headlights didn't want to look at it in the eyes you know (laughs) was just kind of like side-eyeing it from over there and being like I'll read about that next week and next week and next week and then suddenly it's like a year later um so I, I I I appreciated people getting contact about that and then from my book recommendations being able to read stuff around it without like spiraling <laughs> and I think as well like I just can't 
like not joke about something I, I just had like you know that's how that's how we in Britain deal with things so I think it also helped that I wasn't taking it too seriously because I think again like um it, it all like how you process climate panic also comes back to like how what you feel about death if you've recognized how small you are in the world in general already and like stuff like that you know it's, it also comes back to like um your feelings about doom in general and how that's going um because for me i think i have a bit of a jovial relationship with death because i'm like we're all gonna die this is all you know this is all fun and games for now but you know we're just a speck on the bum of <laughs> the universe and it can flick us away at any moment and i think if people haven't thought like that before then that can also be a journey <laughs> you know um and it's kind of like realizing how lightly we walk on the earth and how unserious our lives are if you zoom out really far <laughs> and how silly this all is <laughs> in some ways and i know it's still really i still obviously panic and i think it's all really serious but i'm also like isn't it hilarious that we exist at all like what are we even doing we don't have any fur <laughs> we have barely any survival skills we don't we we originated from fish like what is happening <laughs> I honestly I was sat like the, the other night just sat in my bed like oh yeah how why are we here <laughs> like <laughs> no one knows but it's really funny I'm 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 on this rock making a pod this weirdly this isn't even the first time I've made this analogy whilst recording with someone so. oh really <laughs> It's just true. If everyone comes it's back to it, it's true. just the truth. Kind of leading on from that, what have you have you learned anything from your audience about how they view the future? Like, has learning that you know a lot of them are kind of in that, like you said, like deer in the headlights kind of mindset. Like, has that helped? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, the people that help me fund the channel are um my patreon so i do it through a website called patreon as people might not have heard of it but it's an amazing site where you can tip people for the free stuff that they make so enough people have joined this monthly thing where they tip me um for every video that i make so i can keep making them and those people i have a secret facebook group with those people in and they're so bloody knowledgeable and they know so much more than me um and it's always really useful because a lot of them are, you know, they have studied climate science or they're working uh, in like social change in some way or in politics. And I learn, they know, I don't know why they watch me because they know so much more than me, but maybe I just say it in a silly way and it makes them laugh. But like they, uh, <laughs> like there's, um, what, I haven't asked permission to share names and stuff, but I'd say um, there's, there's one uh, woman who works in pensions and I was talking to her about like how she sees ethical pensions and how to like um like invest in a good way into like sustainable pension funds uh when you also know that there's a climate crisis happening and you might not ever be able to cash that in oh great <laughs> uh, yeah. but she was really she was really great about it and actually really funny and i it's something she said stuck with me that she was just like i don't mind if my pension is more expensive or like i have to give more into my pension because um i don't want to you know i also picture myself as an old woman wearing a hazmat suit like covered in acid rain and i also think that that would be bad so me investing in the right pension is also me investing in not only having more money when i'm older but also not having to wear a hazmat suit in my 80s and i was like oh, that God. is funny i mean it's you know it's the kind of it's the kind of like thing that's that doesn't shy away from the reality of it and doesn't make light of the situation but does make light of our our conflicts when we make an ethical choice or if we try and make a sustainable choice like how funny it is that we have trouble picking between those things <laughs> because i'm like i want to set up a pension because i don't have one at the moment 
and I'm like oh but I need to get the best deal for me and I'm reading all these blogs and then what she said I was like you're right it's also conceptually what you're investing in not only like what you're investing in yourself and it's I think a lot of them have taught me how to see the world in a, in a less individualistic way and like your like your choices don't exist in a vacuum and um like learning to kind of like take take um financial advice that focuses on the individual with a pinch of salt because <laughs> I don't think people make it in a malicious way that you know but I think there's a lot of like kind of personal finance advice out there that's that's like I'm like cool that's okay for you but that's because you believe all these things about the world that I know aren't true <laughs> and I know aren't gonna happen so so while you live in your alternate universe where you genuinely think the pensions are going to be the same in 30 years <laughs> hilarious I'm gonna take some of what you said and then apply it to what I actually know <laughs> and go from there do you know what I mean yeah it is like a trippy thing where you kind of feel like with some people you're living in a completely different reality from them and it's just wild that we have to just think about all these things in the first place like think about like our parents were our parents parents who were just like yeah pension can have a pension i'll use it when i want to use it we're just like yeah could be in a hazmat suit might not even be around like it's just oh that's I'm why invest in my vegetable patch <laughs> <laughs> what here's a question throw this in um what would you ideally do with your pension if you weren't in a hazmat suit <laughs> Oh my God, what if once I got my pension? Yeah, in this world oh, wow. where you can actually use it, like the world hasn't completely caught on fire by then. Oh, I'm assuming by the age of 80, I would already have quite an impressive book collection. I don't think I should be adding to it at that, that stage of my life. I should be giving books away at that point, redistributing my library. Um, what would I do with it? I think uh, I'd probably invest in like classes. I would probably like learn another language or something my my nan um she was uh from wales but she'd lost the, the welsh language because like she learned it when she was a kid and then in secondary school they didn't let them use it and she just kind of lost her her welshness so when she lived with us when she was like 90 93 she started taking welsh lessons again <laughs> and she like le- learned welsh so i'd probably i'd probably if i hadn't got a language that i really wanted to learn i'd probably like spend it on learning a language i i imagine that i already live in a commune by then so i wouldn't need to buy <laughs> love anything, it like love furniture. it uh yeah i don't i don't know it's a re- that's a really good question maybe i'd commission something really cool like uh, a big mural or something oh. or something that would outlast me you know oh a really good bench <laughs> like, there's not enough good benches out there <laughs> Oh god, I really want to see this bench now. Yeah, maybe it'd be a hammock. Hmm. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I've got time. I've got time <laughs> you, to work it out. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. You've got time. Talking about books and your extensive book collection, um, how do books help you imagine, and what books help you imagine? Uh, imagine like a different kind of world. Yeah. Oh yeah, so uh, there's a book called Imagine a Country, which is edited by Val McDermid and Joe Sharp, and it is only written by Scottish writers, and I think this book should exist for every single bloody country on earth, but at the moment, this is their Scottish contribution um so it's like loads of famous scottish people and also just key scottish people you might not have heard of that are like climate scientists that are scottish and you know people that are experts in in um economics and poverty and they've all written like tiny two-sided two 
two sides of um like pages of um like essays about like what they would envision their country looking like in the future and so sometimes it's poetry or drawings but sometimes it's really like clear concise policy changes they're like if we just change this this is how we get or this is how we this is how we end homelessness in scotland and this is how much it would cost and here's if we do this now this is the date that it will be possible by (laughs) do you know what i mean and stuff like that it's really good essay collection and it also just gives you like a few like insights into how the rest of the world does it because um they use other countries as examples that are similar sizes to scotland and they're like right if this country can do it then scotland can do it here's how it works in their country i'd change it in these ways um but yeah it's really really cool and it's got like um yeah loads of famous names in it like caroline duffy and stuff and jackie Kay. and um yeah it's that's really cool um factfulness by hans rosling which is the book um that saved my pessimism <laughs> which is all about all the different ways the world uh is getting better on mass and that's not to dismiss all the all the places in the world where it's getting worse um but when it comes to um women's rights education poverty drug abuse everything is actually very slowly getting a lot better it's just that the way we cover that news we always fo- we always like artificially focus on one area of the world and then extrapolate that <laughs> to say that the whole world is becoming like that you know and it's it's, the, it's a way to it's the way we generate news um in this really like toxic way and it's again not to dismiss all the really serious bad things that are happening but more like uh, to show this like okay but in general very slowly everything is getting better apart from climate <laughs> and that's the one thing that they're like he's like we have actually bossed most things as the as the humankind we are slowly working it out <laughs> but i mean i'm very much talking in my own words to summarize his book i'm sure he would summarize this way but i'm like basically we're bossing most things very slowly and imperfectly apart from the climate stuff but he says in it about how it's like with the climate stuff if we recognize our colonialism if we recognize all the all the fucked up things about how we don't really um tackle the climate crisis correctly if we you know throw all the things that we already know about the world into the climate crisis there's no reason to suggest that we can't solve it at least on a social level at least on a way that we're all trying (laughs) um so yeah that's really good and then I'm also at the moment I'm reading a book called Pleasure Activism um by Adrian May Brown uh and that's like the subtitle is The Politics of Feeling Good (laughs) um so it's all about like um uh how how people are encouraged to not seek pleasure and not uh prioritize things that genuinely help them rather than things that artificially help them and um like how that intersects with politics and race and it's it's really good like i'm halfway through at the moment and i'm loving it uh and it's also very calming in audiobook the author reads it and she has a very calming um amazing reading voice so yeah there's they're my ones that i'm like they help me imagine like the reality of what what's here now they now. sound amazing especially the ima- imagine a country book like that sounds like perfect like if you're listening to this podcast and that book should hopefully be one for you too like i think i need to go and buy that that sounds so not good. just for the scottish i feel like it got a lot of um publicity in scotland because obviously it's written by scottish people but yeah. i'm like everyone should read that book scotland's yeah Scotland's such a great place. Yeah. Or, from, or apparently from, it will be. <laughs> from what I know, Scotland sounds great. So yeah. might just we should just all move to Scotland, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if they'd like that. They might they might take it's us true. in. They might be like, get fucked, get back over there. Sorry, I don't know if you're swearing on this podcast. I just swear. Uh yeah. I mean, the world's fucked up. You gotta say it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's no other word, unfortunately. Yeah, there we go. Um, 
have you read maybe like I guess this could possibly be more like fictional like have you read any books that make you actually want to live in the world that it's created within its pages I was thinking about this question and it actually made me realize that I probably need to read more cheerful books (laughs) I was like isn't that sad that I spend my free leisure time in worlds that I would not want to live in like you know fine maybe 90 percent should be worlds i don't want to live in but at least 10 percent, i should probably be reading some more utopian books just for my own sanity um but the two things i came up with was um so you know stephanie mayer she wrote a book called twilight that people love to hate but i will (sighs) nuancedly defend till the end but anyway she wrote another book called the host and it is bloody incredible and anyone that i've met that hates twilight loves that book if they've read it and it's just completely different from twilight it's obviously like she wrote it later in her career it's so good and in it there's i won't spoil all of it but in it there's a part of it where um the last surviving humans live inside a cave in um the uh american desert and they are basically like i mean there are like fractures in the, in the community obviously because otherwise there would be no plot but um they are living uh communally uh, and like growing crop inside the mountain in this really clever way to do with mirrors and they're like sharing everything out equally and they all have like really cool jobs that all like intersect with each other and everyone's like learning new skills and then like having all their meals together in this like cave like environment and that part of the book is very idealistic obviously there wouldn't be a book without something going wrong (laughs) but um i love that part of the book i think it's really cool I love how you're like living in a cave, you know, sounds lovely. I'd love that. <laughs> take it. I'll take it. There would be no internet, but I think I could, I could negotiate that. Um, and then the other one was like, and again, this is kind of a spoiler, but these books are really famous and they've been out for a really long time. So d- do with it what you will. But the series of unfortunate events. Oh, obviously yeah. many unfortunate events befall the orphans and, and they're not good, but um, and I only just discovered this series in lockdown. I've never read the series of Fortune Events as a kid, but they genuinely hold up as an adult. Have you ever read them? I definitely read them when I was younger, but like my, I couldn't really tell yeah, you anything yeah. about them. Yeah, <laughs> the haze. Um, they genuinely stand up to adult reading. I think they're actually hilarious. <laughs> and um, if you find things like George of the Jungle funny or like stuff like that, where it's like, or, or Monsters, Inc., where it's still got like an adult sense of humour about it, um then you'd probably love them and there's a part uh in one of the like end books where the orphans get to spend some time on their own on an island like and they they just have like a private library and they like cook and for themselves and forage and they just get some time out from all of the unfortunate events and it's like and you know they they rise with the tide and they like go on long beach walks and um rejuvenate and that sounds amazing so i'd love to be in the last book <laughs> where there are less unfortunate events going on so this is one of one of my last questions is one of my favorites but i'm going to have to slightly tweak it for you because you kind of have have done this before within your positive planet series which is thinking up kind of inventions and new ideas and stuff and in your video you kind of mentioned like everyone having basic NHS training so that we can all help each other during things like pandemics 
or having like a universal basic basic income so we can have like one day where we can go out and learn and be more knowledgeable and all that stuff it was lovely video that's the sort of content we need to start imagining things um but have you had any new ideas lately what what's something that you would uh, invent now see I was like I kind of like have still been thinking about that whole like having a day off thing that's something that's been preoccupying my mind um, but I was thinking it could be something because before it was like oh you could just go and learn something new but now I'm thinking wouldn't it be even funner and more and maybe we should always push our ideals a bit further to be like but what if it was even better I'm like what if it was something that was like it couldn't be profitable so you had to make something you could do any kind of project solo or in a group but and you could make whatever you wanted or invent whatever you wanted but it can't make money it has to be like completely like financially unviable <laughs> or at least you know it either has to lose money or like it just can't profit <laughs> and like what would you make losing uh, money like this podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean all the best things lose money so i think you're uh, on yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like something that you purposely would be like not that anyone wouldn't want it but like just in a way that's kind of like you wouldn't you wouldn't be like that wouldn't be the focus and then like if you did that what would what would it especially if we were appealing to a niche like (laughs) like what is something that's so niche that people don't didn't know they wanted it you know um so yeah something like that or I mean this isn't like so cheerful but I have been getting really grouchy around like um how home ownership is is set up at least in the UK and like I'm like what would be like a realistic way of trying to like sort that out without just like electing a left-wing government and you know (laughs) overhauling everything and I was like well maybe there could be something where it's like you can't you either can't buy more than one second property so that because I think the problem is like a lot of middle class people are that's one of the ways that they are um substituting their poor pensions with like a second home which isn't the ideal thing but I do understand and I don't think punishing like lower middle class people is the way forward so I wondered if it was a thing where it's like you can't buy more than one extra property if you know as a a human (laughs) or a business you, you know so at least if if people are doing rent to buy it would be a bit more spread out or a rule where you can't charge uh more than half of your mortgage payments in rent per month so you still have to pay at least half of your own mortgage do you know what I mean yeah because I'm like Mm -hmm. it's cool that people if you want other people to pay your mortgage and you want to take on the financial responsibility and occasionally replace the boiler but only half (laughs) do you know what I mean um so something like that because I've been thinking a lot about landlords complaining during the pandemic that their mortgage repayments are behind and I'm like it was a financial (laughs) I'm like are you the most urgent people here? <laughs> um, probably not. And also, that's you know, I think home ownership, especially second home ownership, is a huge financial risk. And if you haven't planned right for that, then that's your maths. It's not um, other people. So uh, yeah, I think there's, but that's not that's not very cheerful. It would make me cheerful if they dropped my rent so it was half of the. Me too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one hundred. That's very cheerful. We don't have to pay as much to just like survive. <laughs> And then there could be like a trending hashtag where showing what everybody is using their extra money for now that they don't have to pay their landlord's mortgage. <laughs> Think of it just like a weekend of frivolity, just like what I'm using my rent money, you know, anyway. <laughs> Abolish landlords. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just I don't go- even mind like the ones that are like, you know, the people who like own houses that they put on Airbnb. I'm like, you know what? That is labor. You have to clean that house every week and sort it out and furnish it, put stuff in it 
Airbnb people, you can stay for now. Like the revolution isn't coming for you yet. But it's the it's the landlords who rent per year that I'm like, this is not this is passive income. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sure. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just aim it on let end it on like a like property rant. <laughs> God, just gotta hope my landlord isn't listening to this because uh, they do follow me, so <laughs> um, I think that you should give her a discount on her rent. <laughs> Less cars, more bikes, left before Mars, happier birds, diverse representation, idealistically. What is one thing that listeners can do, do you think, to sort of help make this version of the world a reality? This maybe a world with no landlords and lots of time and capacity for people to do what they want creatively. What can we start doing now to put that into place um i think having like conversations with yourself around wealth and like how wealthy would you like to get and how wealthy do you think it's okay to get (laughs) and why because i think like as people get older their like quality their expectations for their quality of life go up and up and up and that's just like not possible so it's cool when you're younger to like kind of mentally cap that a little bit and be like this is all i want i just want these things and everything excess to that then i'll work out politically what's best to do with it but i think a lot of the misery that I see people going through and and also the misery of what it produces, which is a climate crisis, is is like um, the misery of like wanting loads of luxurious things or wanting a high volume of things um, that isn't just isn't sustainable and also just scientifically won't make you happy anyway so what's the bloody point (laughs) do you know what I mean so I think I think if it's going to do anything it's like have a conversation with yourself and your friends about like what is enough money and like and like what you would do if you weren't more than enough what is inverted commas enough money um I think that's a cool thing to think about because it affects the rest of your life and can free you a bit because I yeah I have a lot of friends that like stuck in jobs they hate because they have like you know lots of payments on their head that they can't get away from um so i think you know um there's a really cool article about having a fuck off budget <laughs> where, where like um have you seen i think this? i've heard of this yeah yeah it's like a woman who wrote an article about how um she's like everyone should have a fuck off budget where it's like about three months worth of rent and expenses so that you're not comfortable with something or something else you know maybe your company's doing something immoral to do with the climate you're able to walk away so like that I like thing of just being like having like a little bit of leeway that you can save and even if it takes you a long time to save like having something that means that you still get to keep your humanity <laughs> um and again if you're in an awkward living situation that you're not comfortable with or you break up with somebody and then you can't let, move out <laughs> um so i'd say like on a personal level get a fuck off budget and then on a like a longer scale level like have a think about like what would genuinely make you happy in the long run and how how to get it how to get it good good advice there and i think like often like what we think we want is often actually not what we really want it's what like society and culture has made us think we want so if you are able to take that time to think about it then it can I think it can lead to good things and growth and learning more about yourself yeah and less pressure as well I think if you look in yourself and you realize you actually don't want that much then you have less pressure to be like super productive and successful and lucrative <laughs> like you're like but actually it's not really what I'm aiming for yeah actually I don't really want a really fancy electric car I just want to like ride the bus so it's fine exactly. it takes the pressure off a bit 
so many ideas have come out of that conversation which is which is great it's the more the merrier um so yeah thank you for your time and for joining me and i hope everyone enjoyed oh thank you for having me it's been lovely make sure you give lena a follow and check out what she's doing because she's a lovely bubbly wonderful human and uh yeah if you need some more positive uh positive panic maybe in your life then you're the one to go to exactly i can't always promise to be useful but i can promise to be silly so i'll be over there being silly (laughs) we need it It, i mean (laughs) exactly it's it's like that quote about um like the revolution needing dancing like it's not worth it if you don't have it so i think there's a a new version if the revolution's not silly it's not worth having yeah exactly i don't want it keep keep it As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to follow the podcast elsewhere, then you can find it on Instagram at, at idealisticallypod and on Twitter at, at idealisticallyp. You can find me at, at Tomea, which is spelled T-O-L-M-E-I-A. And all the information, book recommendations, everything else you could ever possibly want will be in the description to the episode. Please feel free to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are able to like, share, send it to your friends, send it to your mum. I will be forever grateful. Sound and editing by myself and music by Stowe Gregory. yeah what Mm -hmm. that's a weird word it is don't say it too many times it'll start (laughs) becoming a word it's a lot of words like that